0: everyone and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung and I'm very excited because today we'll be talking about The Crown Season 4, Episode 9, entitled Avalanche. Last week uh, we read the logline and we wondered, is this a literal avalanche or a metaphorical avalanche? And it turns out to have been a very real avalanche uh, that I actually knew nothing about but I was very Uh, interested to learn about and of course as with anyone who has a near-death experience uh, Charles immediately begins to spiral which is always very fun so helping me to break down this episode as always are my two co-hosts first a man who's preparing a videotape to give to his wife on their next anniversary it's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan what number will you be performing in your anniversary video?
1: Um the Super Bowl halftime show with uh Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson from 20 years back. Oh, wow. (laughs) Will you be playing
0: both parts? How is that going to work?
1: I mean, with a little bit of clever editing, I think we'll make it work.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Um, All right. And also back with us today, a woman who would gladly give Diana an eight-minute standing ovation. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, what is the maximum amount of time that you would give someone a standing ovation? And who do you think that person would be?
2: Oh, no. I mean, like maximum time, it really would depend on how long I can actually stand for, <laughs> which um, th- that is limited. I'm going to admit to you. I think I could pull off 15 minutes. I feel like I would also be bored doing that. I don't know. Standing ovations confuse me when they go on for too long because you're like, OK, like I get I get it. You love it. But what, what is this accomplishing? I don't really know. Well, so first of all, I would do this for Diana. If Look, if she was still alive and there was none of this, I probably would still do it. Like, she would still be such an icon. Um, back then, yeah, no, absolutely. It would be that long. As for anyone now, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people, there's too many people, but let's go with Diana for now.
0: Okay, Diana for 15 minutes. Ivan, can you beat 15 minutes? Or is Hold 15- on, hold
1: on. <laughs> I, have, I have a follow-up question. Do we really believe that if Diana were alive today, that she would still be like a squeaky clean, non-controversial figure.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that she probably would have gotten married to whoever she died with. I uh, or she probably would have like had a second marriage and someone there was a podcast I was listening to once that said that she would be one of those people who would post inspirational messages on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, that kind of checks out. Like she would just be one of those celebrities who'd like post random uplifting things
1: oh see i don't see it at all i i i see her as like developing some kind of really really bad take maybe maybe like not anti-vaxxer territory maybe not turf territory but but something that is that is not going to be a good look
0: yeah i mean i think that like the death circumstance just like built on the lore i don't know yeah I, i'm kind of i can't i kind of lean more toward ivan i don't know that she would have like a bad take that would get her canceled but <laughs> i think that like the fact that she died definitely like obviously changes the way that we kind of view her legacy I'm
2: telling you it'd be good y'all are crazy
0: but i've in 15 minutes more or less oh uh for uh, far less for me <laughs> is eight minutes even too much i
1: mean let's put it this way like i'm the type of person that At the end of the main set of a concert is always debating whether i want to just like rush for the parking lot and get out of there before the encore begins
0: (laughs) you would skip the encore
1: (laughs) well okay this is not going to sound good this is not going to reflect well upon me but i skipped maybe like the last two or three songs of the encore of paul mccartney oh wow
0: (laughs) sir paul mccartney
1: Sir Paul McCartney. But here's the thing, like it was in a giant baseball stadium and I could still enjoy those songs on the walk to the, you know, conjoined parking garage.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, so before we dive into the events of the episode, as always, we just want to say right off the top that if you came here for any sort of like factual clarity, we are not historians, so we don't know. Uh, We're kind of just basing everything that we know off what we saw on The Crown Um, And kind of just going off of that. So with that, Carlin, could you give us a quick recap of season four, episode nine of The Crown, Avalanche?
2: Yeah. All right. So we start. It is Charles and Diana celebrating Charles's 37th birthday at a gala at um, the opera. And midway through and the newscasters are like doing a voiceover and they're like, Diana, still getting a bunch of attention. Woo. And so basically Diana gets up midway through the performance and does a special dance um, with another member of the company dancing to Uptown Girl. And it's, it's slightly scandalous in the way of like doing high kicks is scandalous. And, you know, everyone in the audience absolutely loves it. As Sam mentioned, she got like an eight minute standing ovation. But Charles, of course, hated it. And like they have a fight in the car and he immediately like goes to Camilla. So clearly the marriage with the whales is not going well. Elizabeth and Philip then get to hear about the news of um, the performance that Diana did. And Elizabeth is under the impression that Charles and Diana's marriage is doing better. Yeah, I think so. I think she has, she at least wants to think it's doing better, but she's still kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, so that there's that. And then an avalanche hits, which does not relate to any of the other things, but Charles and Diana went on a ski trip right after the, uh, the gala. And basically, there is a bit of a moment where they think that Charles is dead, but he's not. He There was a major who died, but not Charles. He just had a near-death experience. And Martin comes in to say, like, you know, it's great that Charles is alive, but this is going to bring up speculation about the Whales' marriage. And Elizabeth's like, okay, great. Like, I, I like, I need to find out what's going on with my son. So she goes to Anne to talk about Charles' marriage. And Anne says that the marriage right now is de- destined to fail and like after Harry was born, their duty was done. So they both have taken lovers as we know, Charles is with Camilla and Diana has had sort of this string of various people in her life. She's had a bodyguard and she has had notably a man named something Hewitt, I, maybe major. I think I'm going to get the wrong rank for this man, but Hewitt who has, she, so she sort of had other lover, other lovers and both are kind of done with this marriage, but Elizabeth can can't have that. Um, and then Charles goes to, um, this other, this dead guy's funeral and he talks to Camilla afterwards and he's like, you know, I had this realization when I was about to die that all this is so like, why am I doing this? I want to be with you in like an official capacity. I want to divorce Diana and be with you as my wife. So Charles and Diana have to meet with Elizabeth. Um, she calls a meeting in order to discuss the marriage. And she basically asks point blank, like, do either of you want this marriage to work? And Charles is about to say no <laughs> when Diana is like, no, I want to make this marriage work. And so Charles is kind of put into this corner where he even like, like yeah, he puts in this corner, clearly wants to oppose, but he feels very silenced by the fact that like his, you know, Philip and Elizabeth are like, great, let's let's keep going with this marriage. Like, go, go, guys, like you have to make this work. So then Charles later... Um, Goes on a rant to, I think it was Camilla, saying, like, he's going to watch every step that Diana takes. And if she goes out of line and starts seeing other people, he is going to call off the marriage. And so Diana, meanwhile, talks to, I think, a therapist and is like, no, I'm going to make this work. She's feeling optimistic. She cuts off all her ties with all her lovers. Basically, says, like, I'm going to make a big deal out of our seventh wedding anniversary. And, like, it's going to be a new beginning for us. So she has Charles come to Highgrove with the boys for sort of a family weekend. And when they exchange presents, which, by the way, Charles did not realize that this was his wedding week, his anniversary weekend, and he had, in fact, been trying to see Camilla. But he, uh, he gets Diana a first edition of the history of her family's house. And then Diana <laughs> makes Charles a tape in which she went on stage with the Phantom of the Opera company and sang All I Ask of You to him as a present. And... Neither of them got each other gifts that the other actually likes. In fact, Charles has to go on a really long rant to Anne about how awful it was. And Anne is like, look, man, straight up. No one wants you to leave this marriage, including like Diana, including Camilla. Camilla still loves Andrew. Like this is this is all this is fake. This is like you're just fantasizing. You have to get it together. So Charles goes to Camilla and is like, is this true? Like, would you, if I left Diana, would you leave Andrew? And she basically says, like, I love you. That's all real. But this is more complicated than you think. And so basically, Charles is kind of left with (laughs) this ambiguous answer. But amid Charles completely failing at being a husband, Diana decides to go back with Hewitt. And Charles's guys catch her. So now Charles knows about Hewitt, and as we know, there was the threat that that would be the straw that breaks the camel's back for Charles. So will he call off the marriage? I don't know. But that's, that's where we end.
0: Thanks, Carlin. Um, I think this was uh, an interesting episode because every or most of the players in this episode had a moment where you kind of sympathized with them and then they immediately like subverted that and then you were like oh no you're a bad person again and i thought that the way that the show played with that this episode was really fun i thought we got that with some of the diana moments i thought we got that with some of the charles moments we definitely got it with uh queen elizabeth and uh prince philip i just thought that the way that they kind of No one was really painted in a good or bad light. It was kind of like a, it was a, it was a blend of both for every character. And I thought that was really fun.
2: Oh, for sure. They're definitely going for a little more nuanced within like the actual characters at play here.
0: As far as Charles and Diana are concerned, uh, this is definitely the worst, uh, I think that we've seen their relationship get thus far. I didn't really particularly enjoy it, even though we knew that it was coming. It's kind of hard to watch um, I mean, none of them look great. I, I think neither of them look really great in this situation.
1: One could argue that the worst we've seen their relationship was at the beginning when he, in his late 20s, was preying on a teenage girl. <laughs> One
0: could make that argument.
2: I mean, every part of this is miserable, yeah.
0: I guess this theme of uh, Diana performing for Charles, I, I can't tell if she thinks this is something that Charles actually wants or if Diana just enjoys performing for herself and so she wants to do it and she's like maybe charles will like this but it's definitely it feels like when i'm watching it it's more for her than for anybody else
2: well doesn't she say she doesn't know how to express herself except through videos except for like performing which to me it's like her version of it is a little bit more obvious in the way of like they're both so one track minded with like this is what would make me happy isn't it obviously going to make the person i love happy because you see it with the book too where like diana didn't want that book <laughs> it was like charles thought that this was an interesting book and it kind of relates back to her in sort of the same way that i'm sure diana was just like this is how i express love who wouldn't want a love song sung to them okay here you go charles i slightly improved this time by not doing it publicly But like, I think that Diana's is just more obvious and like it had, it took, it was a bigger production and sort of more flashy
1: of the wrong thing.
0: Um, How long did it take before you realized what Diana was doing in that opening scene?
1: Oh, um, uh, I mean, I, I think somewhere in between her excusing herself and her appearing on
0: stage, I think it became obvious. I think that was where I noticed it too, but obviously they were teasing it from the beginning because there's the performer who's like, only four people know. Who do we think the four people are? The (laughs) dude dancing. Yes.
2: The person who lets people on stage.
0: It's got to be like her teacher, right?
1: Uh, Her teacher and then whoever is responsible for releasing the rights to Uptown Girl for an amateur (laughs) production. (laughs) Yep, there you go. Uh, but but no, I, I, ugh, I, I have to also side with Sam here in that at least that first performance at the theater definitely felt more like she was making it about her than about Charles.
2: Oh, no, that one, yeah, a little bit more so.
0: But I thought that even, like, the video, like, watching her watch the video of herself and then watching Charles watch her watch the video of herself also just kind of reinforced that to me where it's like Diana's doing this for her.
1: True, because, I mean, it, g- given his just bombastic reaction to the the first performance i i think she should have gone a completely different direction for a gift like just like because I, I mean even even if it was this wasn't as big of a public spectacle it, it still kind of reeked of the you know spotlight grabbing that she
0: did earlier in the episode this is maybe the wrong approach to gifts but i like to be like would i like this gift and if i would then you know, it's probably it's a good it's a it's a generally like a good does it pass the would I like this gift test? You know, and I think that if Charles or Diana had asked themselves that question, like if Charles was like, would I like a book about my family history? The answer would have easily been no. And if Diana, no, it's,
2: yes, Diana, him, Charles would that's not he have, would have liked. Have wanted? No, he does yes, not. He doesn't need weird...
0: another book about his family history.
2: No, no, he loves <laughs> books. That man loves books. That that no, those were about so his own family. He, he hates his family. Both wanted. <laughs> They both wanted those things. No. Diana wants someone to perform his love to her. And Charles wants a book.
0: <laughs> I disagree very. I don't think Diana wants Charles to perform for her. <laughs> you two are both a little wrong
1: here. You're, 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 you're both, I think you're both just missing the obvious in that these two people are both batshit insane. <laughs> like, they are so out of touch with their own emotions with other people's emotions like they they're not thinking clearly here like and I, and I definitely like agree that like if if faced with the question of like would I like this gift for myself both of them would say yes but like that that's besides the point it, the question is would the other person be into this sort of thing and the answer in both cases was absolutely not
2: yeah, I did also watch a deleted scene where, like, are we allowed wait, to watch deleted Wait, where'd deleted, you get a deleted scene?
0: Wait, I didn't wait see where are deleted the deleted scenes? scenes? Yeah, what's the deleted scene?
2: Oh, there's a, there's a deleted scene of Diana re-watching the whole tape, and you get to actually see the, like, emotional journey, and that made me sympathetic to this.
1: Wait, she watches the tape, uh, like, after she'd already presented it to Charles?
2: I guess so. I, here's the thing, did we we never got Charles's reaction of him like storming out of the room, right? Like we don't know what he did after they finished watching the tape?
0: No, it cuts while they're watching I, it. I
1: I would imagine he kind of kept a poker face. As much I guess. of a,
0: as much of a poker face as, as Charles can do.
1: But hold on, hold on. Do we do we know for sure even that Diana did not like the book? Like at best she seemed maybe indifferent to it, but she's never going to read that book. She's, <laughs> never gonna, she's never going to she's never going to read it, but it's really more about the gesture at that point, right? Mm, no. I I don't think she wants
0: that book.
2: I think they both had long histories of very clearly stating to the other person that like Diana doesn't want boring books and that Charles does not care about the theater <laughs> anymore. He used
1: to, but he clearly doesn't now. What happened? Like what 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 happened to make him this way? Like what happened to him being in the drama department, which like I feel like Once you're in, you're in, you know. Like, no, I know. To to suddenly find himself completely, like, you know, exercised from the theater community. Like, something happened there that we didn't see.
2: Here's what I think. I think that if Camilla had done the same thing, he would have been so into it. Even with Phantom of the Opera, which he clearly doesn't like. Phantom of the Opera. That's what I, I think. It's just Diana. I think he would have been into this if it was someone else doing a performance for him.
0: That's interesting. I can see that. So.
1: This episode um, and the one following are are like arguably the crown's first two-parter, right? Because like it it ends with a very clear cliffhanger, which I don't think we've ever gotten up until this point.
0: I mean, there was the beginning of season two, right, where it starts with the scene of Elizabeth and Philip on the boat, and then it goes back in time to kind of catch you up to how they got there.
1: Oh, sure, but I mean, like this this episode ended with a cut to black. I don't think we often get that in the crowd i i think this might be the first time and uh this episode and the next one are both uh by the same director jessica hobbs and i went Hmm. back and and the the show actually has made it a habit of having like the first two to three episodes of each season done by the same director but this is the first season where that wasn't the case and instead it's the final two episodes
0: well yeah i do think that that definitely will help Uh, to kind of have one director telling this story let's let's talk about kind of like the the title of the episode and the avalanche itself so we get some special effects here i feel like these are the first special this is the special effects budget for for season four and i didn't know that charles was caught in avalanche so uh that must have been a really traumatic experience
2: why i mean i get why it's expensive but why didn't we get to see that why couldn't we see him in snow? I, I feel like I didn't get enough of a picture of this.
0: We, we we got glimpses. Not enough. Yeah, I had no idea he liked skiing in general. <laughs> or fun. <laughs> or fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super traumatic because not only does he have a near-death experience, it seems like the person that he went one of the people that he went with actually dies in this uh in this accident. So this is kind of the moment they paint this as the moment where Charles is like you know what, what am I doing with my life? That This is the near-death experience that really gives him the, the boldness, or at least almost gives him the boldness <laughs> to voice his opinion. He can't. He still can't quite do it at this moment, but he's almost there. He's very close. Yeah, uh, I do wish that we had been able to see it, though. That would have been some crazy special effects.
2: Or at least, like, shown him afterwards, being all shell-shocked.
0: So they show us some kind of like helicopter footage. Is that I couldn't tell if this was real footage, uh like actual footage from the search, or if that was kind of just footage that they shot and then stylized to be old footage.
2: Hmm. I don't know. You'd have to Google this.
1: <laughs> well, we can't do that. This may remain a mystery until you die. It may it may.
0: <laughs> um who do we think got a bigger search effort? Uh Charles or <laughs> Margaret Thatcher's kid?
2: <laughs> oh, Margaret Thatcher's kid got a bigger search Wait, effort. 100%. Really? <laughs> she, she put it so she made sure it was on the news. I just feel like that she paid for more. I mean, obviously it was Charles, but it felt like it was it was the kid.
1: I mean, I, I don't think we saw this as much with uh Thatcher's son because I think he was presumed to be alive uh throughout the whole ordeal, but they they were very quick to be preparing for the event of charles's passing like oh i know particular outcome almost in an aspirational way (laughs) i look do
2: we not think that elizabeth secretly kind of wants to just have a clean slate with william
1: wait okay hold on though hold on though if at this point in time charles dies William then becomes an infant king who cannot actually uh ascend until he comes of age. Would that then make Andrew the king?
2: No, I think that would then make um, well I'm only basing this off of Game of Thrones, which isn't a very good source, but I think what would then happen is William would be like the little boy king and then wouldn't Diana then get to be like queen mother in like an acting sense?
0: I mean, it, it's a really a question. moot point because Queen Elizabeth is still alive. Well, okay, oh, was, I so, about yeah. Her. So <laughs> technically,
2: he would just get to be like next in line, next in line, and get to be like Prince of Wales as a kid.
1: Right. But that's what I mean by like the infant king. It's like if somebody uh, you know is next up, but they're not old enough. I think it then goes to the uh, the next the next person in line that is actually of age, which I think, I don't think would be I think it does, Andrew. though.
2: I think they have to wait until the heir comes of age and they just have someone else like
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like an interim over. king, but that would be like Andrew in this case because he would be next up in the uh, succession line uh, who is both male and of
0: age.
2: I mean, it's still kind of funny because like Elizabeth is alive. This is only if Charles died. But like if Elizabeth then dropped dead of a heart attack. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of what ifs here. But you're saying you think that Elizabeth might have had an asterisk on the corner of the Menai Bridge plan. Like I'm not following. This, oh, you, I mean you were saying that this might have been kind of they were too prepared for this plan, like too ready to enact this plan oh. of Menai Menai Bridge.
2: What is it called if Charles suddenly abdicates and runs off with Camilla? What's that called?
1: I mean that's basically what Edward did, right?
2: Yeah, is that also called... Is that also a abdication. bridge? Or does that get another That get another thing?
1: The
0: bridges just refer to, like, the untimely deaths, right?
2: Well, isn't that kind of like a metaphorical untimely death?
0: No, there's definitely more involved in an abdication. Like, I feel like the plan is a little bit different because then there's more damage control. There's just different things that have to take place in, in that event. It's probably a different operation.
2: I think that'd be funny because at that point, then, like, they would just get, um, they'd just get William.
1: Didn't Diana die on a bridge?
2: And she died in a tunnel. It's very tunnel, different. Okay, that'd be really that'd be kind of creepy.
0: Um, but yeah, we learned the the code names for several of these uh, of these royals' deaths, and we learned that uh, Queen Elizabeth is London Bridge, which paints a whole new meaning to the song.
2: Well, I mean, we didn't you hear that when she actually died? Yeah, it was London Bridge.
0: Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear know that about when Phillips. she died. No, yeah, I didn't know about uh, Phillips or Queen Mother's either. Interesting that uh, we got those four, but not the the code names for <laughs> the people who are still alive.
2: It's just an omen now if Charles dies in the next um I'll give it a month the crown.
0: Wait, 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 what?
2: Well, cuz they mentioned all people who are dead now. So I'm saying if Charles, like real Charles actually died, then the crown has caused the apocalypse. <laughs> by naming <laughs> all four of them.
1: Uh, wait, by naming all four of them two years ago when the season dropped four of these elderly
0: people (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: um and charles charles is also elderly he's he's in his seven how old is he
0: he's 73 i believe yeah he's Um, not that
2: old he's probably a healthy man
0: so the avalanche is timed uh a little bit fortuitously for the crown because we learned that the newspapers were actually just about to release an article about how Charles and Diana's relationship is actually pretty rocky, but now they're going to give it a couple days because that's, that's just the respectful thing to do. (laughs) We'll give you a day or two to recover and then we'll trash you in the headlines. Mm. Um, So we, uh, we then see Liz and uh, Phil talking I thought one of my favorite moments of the episode that wasn't uh, Charles or Diana related was Liz burning Philip about the ballerina that we saw from like two seasons ago. That was a good burn. Oh, that was good. Sick callback. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, Queen Elizabeth learning about Billy Joel for, I think, the first time ever. Joel, Joel, yeah. yeah. Billy (laughs) Joel. That was fun.
2: The like 80s music in this was great
0: yeah, there are some good songs here. Do we think that the Queen would like Uptown Girl by Billy Joel?
2: no if if Charles doesn't like Phantom of the Opera, I feel like Liz can't like anything.
0: Okay, but Phantom of the Opera is very specific like
1: uh, I don't know <laughs> my my question is like in what setting or context is Prince Philip getting exposed to Billy Joel, but Elizabeth
0: isn't?
2: ooh, do, maybe it is Lunch Club?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe the maybe his priests like Billy Joel.
2: Oh maybe. I mean he has a little he has a couple groups that might have some young people, or maybe he's just more likely to listen to the radio.
1: Or like he and Anne went to a concert once.
2: That'd be great. Where's that? Where's that episode?
1: Where's that deleted scene?
2: <laughs> I don't know, we need it.
0: Let's see. Let's uh skip ahead. So Queen Elizabeth is gonna go visit her daughter, Princess Anne, and ask her, Anne. Please tell me about what's going on with Charles and Diana. Like, Liz knows already. Like, why do you need this confirmation? <laughs> like, how does, she, how does she possibly not know? I feel like everybody knows. Wait, Liz knows about the adultery at this point? I would have to assume so, right? Like, I feel like it's common knowledge.
2: She knew about Camilla. She probably didn't know about Diana's adultery.
0: Liz needs to get out more.
2: Well, I just don't think she listens. I think she's one of those people who, like, puts her hands over her ears and doesn't listen because she doesn't want to hear.
0: Yeah, but Anne basically, she lays it out pretty plainly. Diana has, it seems, not just Major Hewitt, but kind of like a a couple different suitors who she's sneaking in through the back door. It's, uh, I I, I don't know. This This is a real moment for Liz. Liz is like, well, I have to take some action now, which... I don't know. Does she does she really though?
2: No, it's all sexist. Let let both of them have affairs. Just it's fine.
1: But hold hold on though. This this one suitor, the one that's featured in this episode is named uh, James Hewitt. Notice how he has red hair.
2: That is a debunked conspiracy that has, is probably how when was the 80s? 40 years old.
1: Uh, how how was it debunked?
2: Because Diana has redheads in her gene pool.
0: That doesn't debug. mean.
2: <laughs> Y'all, don't you think Charles would have already come out with that when uh, when Harry left, if that was true?
1: So she had all these suitors, but no risk of pregnancy.
2: Besides, they said that she didn't start having the affairs till after Harry was born. So how okay. could Harry be someone else's kid? Okay.
1: Okay. So what Sam said about sneaking through the back door, he meant that in multiple senses.
0: When I said it, I only meant it in a very literal sense that we saw in the episode. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. 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 Okay, okay. so Liz calls a meeting. Everybody, we're going to talk about your marriage right now. And Charles has a speech prepared. I thought this was hilarious. Like, he had what looked to be like a typed-up Word document in his pocket, like ready to go. Do we think he typed this up? him, Like he wrote this out himself or do we think he had like a dean do it for him?
1: Wait, wait, do we know that it was typed and not written? Okay,
0: we don't know that it was typed up, but it looks like just like when you've written, a, when you've typed out a speech or something and then you just like stuff it in a pocket. It oh, could I have been handwritten. Oh, I it's like written. very
2: hastily handwritten. <laughs> many pages of handwritten notes. But he was ready.
1: I was frustrated was ready, yeah. in that scene that like Charles didn't get a chance to, to you know, have his say
2: what would what would Elizabeth have done if he had like she had been like, no, I'm done and Diana had been like, I want to keep trying. like what does she do?
1: I, I don't know and I'm not very sympathetic to Charles or Diana like I, I think they're both bad people for different reasons, but I would say in this particular scene, she like Diana's sudden like heel turn and saying that she wants to keep the marriage together out of nowhere. It, it, I don't know, something about it didn't smell right to me.
0: I think that even if Charles afterwards says that he wants to keep the marriage together, ultimately, Liz's thesis here is that the marriage can't fail. It would ruin the integrity of the institution. So even if Charles is like, I think that I don't want to make this work, if Diana says she does want to make it work, Liz will tell Charles, Diana wants to make it work, you have to make it work.
1: So wait, but what happens if neither of them want to make it work? Then. Do they let the marriage fail?
0: Yeah, I mean, if neither of them want to make it work, then it becomes more interesting because then it's like, well, what are we doing here?
2: We know what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is true.
2: Well, because I guess, and then, like, precedent-wise, I guess Margaret did get to get divorced. Granted, she wasn't the
0: heir. I mean, I was also, likewise, surprised with Diana's kind of commitment to the relationship, and she presented as, like, the avalanche also gave her some clarity, um, but I wonder how much of that is is just, like, if the if the marriage ends what her role is if if she's no longer like the that like charles's wife
1: i i call absolute bullshit on the avalanche giving her clarity because if if it suddenly like reawakened her feelings for charles and she realized that like oh i came close to losing him and you know now now i realize that you know i truly do love him like that's something that she should have communicated to Charles prior to that meeting. Like, he he seemed pretty surprised and taken aback at that because it's not something that she actually said to him.
0: Yeah. And it's also interesting that, like, we see some of the moments before the meeting, right, where they come in, it seems like separately, and they sit on, like, opposite couches. They don't, like, there's no yep. real closeness to them in the immediate moments leading up to the meeting.
1: It's, it's it,
0: yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from, Ivan.
1: I I definitely think that there were at least three performances that Diana delivered in this episode. And this was probably the most convincing.
2: Oof, You guys are mean. No, I, I think that she, I mean, I think there's something to be said with like, you have thoughts of like, this marriage isn't working, but when an outside force says like, do you want this to end? I think it was a gut reaction of saying no. And like, again, it was probably something she'd been thinking about prior to the avalanche, but this was like an opportunity to be like, okay, like, No, I don't want this to end right now. And like, is she correct in doing that for herself? And like, and there's also the element of like, you don't want a divorce for the kids. Like, I think there's a difference between thinking your marriage is failing and being asked, like, essentially, do you want a divorce? And I think those are two different things. And so in her mind, it was like, oh my God, like I'm not ready to go over this hill yet. So even though I'm totally unhappy, I'm going to find whatever excuse I can to say that, no, I don't want this to end. Yeah.
1: Carlin, I hate to play this card, but what would you know about being married to the future King of England? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the same amount that you know.
0: <laughs> to, to Diana's credit, after this happens, she does tell all of her staff, Major Hewitt is no longer allowed in, in the building, send home all my suitors. And she does kind of immediately seem to be committed to taking steps to try and make it work again she plans the anniversary weekend and then the show kind of does make it seem like charles literally is just like well we're gonna catch her like she's gonna crack and we're gonna catch her so we're gonna shut her out completely so the show i think at least presents it as like well maybe diana does recommit but charles then just like hard slams the door in her face is this the first? So this is the first time we've seen young Harry, right? Yeah. I or think did we so. see or him before? Any Harry, right?
2: I don't think we've seen any Harry yet.
0: So we see both kids here. They seem to be having fun. They're in the pool.
2: Oh, can we Good know scene. that we have yet another <laughs> scene? This was also in Spencer of Diana singing along to a um, yes. 80s bop mm. with the kids. So this must yes. have really happened a lot.
1: <laughs> I'm still so like dumbfounded by how often she is just driving around on by herself. Or, or yeah. you know, just like w- without any. Well, I mean, I presumably she had like security detail tailing her, but like it just seems so weird that she's allowed to drive. Yeah,
2: I don't know. I guess she. Do you think there's like a royal driving test you have to pass? I mean, pass? they let
0: they let Charles drive. Like Charles is always driving around.
1: Oh well, there, there you go. Did she even have her license when they met? Well, I guess we didn't really have that information.
2: I guess she probably did. I don't know. When can you get your license in England? But yeah, like, I think it's interesting that that is something that keeps showing up. And I'm trying to decide. I, I, I knew this song better because obviously it was Queen. So I feel like I liked this mm-hmm. one more. But like, it's just funny that that keeps happening.
1: Yes. Hope, hope we get at least one scene like that in season five.
2: Please. We need another car scene.
0: Okay. So Charles almost schedules a rendezvous with his lover on his anniversary, which close call there. Good.
2: <laughs> That's why you have staff.
0: I know. Imagine being a dean in that scenario and being like, "Uh, sir, that's your anniversary. (laughs) Wait, what do you mean? Imagine we saw that unfold. (laughs) I know. No, but like just being like uh, imagine being that person, you know, like having to tell the the future king like, oh, you can't do this. Uh, You have your anniversary that weekend. But we do see Charles at one point. It seems like drive to what seems to be like outside Camilla's house, but like very far from her house. He like makes her walk over to the street, to the car. And he's like, I need to know if my marriage ends, will you get a divorce and run away with me? And Camilla is basically like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, it was, it was good that he
1: asked. Well, yeah, good that I he mean, asked.
2: honestly, that'd yeah. be very bad if he made that decision and didn't ask her. Like that'd be horrible to her. Can you imagine? Like, you you essentially are like the reason that the future king breaks up his marriage and then you don't even yeah. want to leave your husband.
0: Are we missing like the Andrew Parker Bowles context here? Do we need to see Andrew Parker Bowles return here in the crown so that we kind of know what we're working with? Or do we think that it's fine what we got?
1: I liked the scenes with him last season. I thought like the performance was a was a pretty compelling one, and I think he, you know, he kind of went toe to toe with Anne. He he was he was interesting to watch, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure how much that would add here. I wouldn't mind though.
2: I think what it would do is it takes us out of Charles's point of view if we actually see how Camilla and Andrew are, because right now he doesn't have the information. Like for all he knows, Camilla lying about being fine enough with Andrew, and I think. That's interesting because like, as an audience member, I do want to know, like, is Camilla lying or like, what does her marriage look like? But I think by denying us that it's kind of an interesting way to keep us in Charles's point of view.
0: OK, so eventually Charles ignores Diana so much that Diana finally calls back up James Hewitt and is like, hey, you want to chill? She sneaks him in <laughs> in the backseat of the car, which very sneaky. But Charles has set up spies. Charles has spies at Kensington Palace. And they immediately let him know, like, hey, Hewitt is back. And that's kind of where we end the episode. So, Cut big cliffhanger, to be continued. As, you, as you said, Ivan. Yeah, I mean, I don't really blame Diana here, honestly. Like, Charles was a real, a real shit by, <laughs> by the end of the episode.
2: I mean, I think the thing is, like, they probably could have gone on and both just had affairs. But Charles just loves Camilla too much. Like it's funny that they probably could have made the work marriage "quote unquote" work by having this uh, little open door policy.
1: But in but, uh, the end, love wins.
0: Uh, yep. I thought it was interesting that Anne presents the two, the you know, each person in the relationship as Charles actually being more discreet. But in the show, this was kind of like the first time we learned about Diana and Hewitt. It's weird to kind of hear her perspective about the level of discreetness when, like, we've known about Charles and Camilla for over a season now.
1: Well, I, I think we've actually just experienced a, a, a relative time jump where I think the previous episode... uh what was it like 80 85 86 still i think we're oh, now like in it, 88 yeah. so i think i think we've taken kind of a big leap forward and you know now harry's been born and i think there's been more time for these uh affairs to have taken place in the interim
2: yeah i think they definitely took place like in between but i again it's one of those things where, like if you've been following the season Anne has been so anti-diana that i do wonder if it's diana's inexperience with having affairs and not being like you know discreet enough, or if it is Anne coloring the situation. Because, like, yeah. I don't know. To me, if an entire town knows that you're having an affair, like, the idea that none of those people would be telling other people about Charles and Camilla, it's kind of like, I don't know.
1: Well, well yeah. hold up. Um, Do we know how, like, just in a vacuum, like, how Anne feels about Camilla in general? Like, let, let's take Diana out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the beginning of the season before Diana even showed up. Like, Does Anne just generally dislike uh, Camilla due to all the Andrew stuff, or is her opinion pretty neutral?
2: I think she does, because, right? I think, and I'm sure in her mind, Camilla just didn't want to marry Charles when he had, like, when it wouldn't have been this huge deal. Because remember, she's the one who got married. Like, I mean, was she part of the arrangement to get Camilla away from Charles when, like, Charles went to the Navy?
1: I don't think that's so. what I can't remember like what what happened with her and Andrew Parker
0: Bowles like how did that fizzle out? Didn't
2: they just like wasn't it wasn't just it a just
0: fizzle out? I think it just fizzled out yeah huh. especially because of the kind of square that was going on. But
1: given like Anne's unhappiness in her own marriage like do, do you th- like do you think she looks back on like Andrew Parker Bowles as like the more favorable partner for her or or was he just like a pretty short fling in the in the grand scheme of things?
2: I think he was probably a short fling because she's had other. Here's the thing. She's had a bunch of lovers, too.
1: I think
0: Andrew Parker Bowles also has other lovers. So I don't think Anne looks at Andrew Parker Bowles and is like, wow, he was the one that got away. Like, he's not. okay. well,
1: okay, (laughs) then then I guess Anne just doesn't like Camilla just in general, not not for any specific reason. But she probably just doesn't see Camilla as a good fit for Charles or Mm -hmm. maybe even just from a PR standpoint. For the I mean, family.
2: yeah. I mean, look. If she she didn't marry Charles the first time,
1: but but let me just say that that scene between Charles and Anne, I loved that scene. Yeah, that was great. like that was that was like. I mean, there there have there have been. Like precious few moments where uh, uh, Aaron Doherty uh, has had opportunities to really shine. And like, you know, you, you get treated to uh, one like every couple episodes or so. And it's unfortunate that there was never like a super Anne-centric episode. But like anytime she has a big... I know what you're going to say, Carlin. I know <laughs> the kidnapping. But yeah, every time like Anne gets an opportunity to get like worked up about something, like she she just shines.
2: No, it's it's absolutely true. This was a, like this was a very great scene. Uh, no, she did great in this episode.
1: So I have one one other uh, question, um, and I know you know both of these are narrative adaptations that don't necessarily fit neatly into real world timelines. But do you think the movie Spencer takes place before or after this episode?
2: Oh, after it was ninety one.
0: Oh shoot, okay. So definitely it was after. Okay, then
2: it'll only get worse from here.
0: Okay. Anything else that we didn't touch upon here in Avalanche? I think we covered a lot. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was one of those episodes that, like, there was an a plot and just an a plot. So, yeah, sure. not much to miss here.
0: So Charles is thirty-seven at this point. When we when we first met Josh O'Connor as Charles, how old is he?
2: Probably twenty. 20?
0: Twenty-ish. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was so in he's, university. He's aged up seven, seventeen-ish years. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs>
1: I think Josh O'Connor is, is definitely playing way older now, uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps a little unconvincingly.
0: Um, okay, so before we close out here, let's talk Kinky Crown Award. I'll start. Yes, please. Get us kicked off with some kinky moments that we saw here in Avalanche
1: Princess Anne repeatedly saying, in and out, in and <laughs> oh out.
2: Oh my God, yeah. In
0: and out. <laughs> I had that one too.
2: That was almost uncomfortable. Yeah, that was great.
0: Yeah, and she was, of course, referring to the suitors, but also referring to the suitors. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Carlin, what did you see?
2: Well, I have two, but my favorite one is Philip going, why didn't you do that for me with the dance?
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, in and out was the main one for me, but I also just like, before we learn what the videotape is, and just the fact that Uh, like i had written down kinky (laughs) i don't know what i thought it was gonna be but i think just like anytime someone is like here i made you this videotape it's like oh what do we have here
2: (laughs) that would have shocked that man so hard he might have died
0: and the way that she framed it too she was like no public no one watching i was like where is she going with this Mm.
2: girl should have
0: um, okay, Carl, what was your other moment? Oh,
2: just that I thought it was funny that they were like Diane was it like Diana's office or outside Diana's office was like the one place without cameras? There was somewhere in the palace where they kept saying that all the guys would hang out because there weren't cameras.
0: Yeah, it was like outside her office. yeah, in and out. yeah, I think in and out wins for me.
2: yeah, in and out was the one.
0: Congratulations to Anne. Has she won before? Now I'm not even remembering.
2: Yeah, I think she won when they had that like intervention episode where like Queen Mother and Philip and Liz and Anne were all in a room. And I think they were also talking about Charles again.
0: You're you're so right. And she
1: must have won back when she was having like her own affair with Andrew Parker Bowles. There were a lot of spicy moments during those days.
0: That's true. Very true. Um, All right. So congratulations to Anne winning another Kinky Crown Award. Honestly, now that we're... We're running through these moments. She's up there, like I think Philip is probably still won the most, but she's up there too. No. Yeah. Um, all right, sweet. So that brings us to a close here on the Crown season four, episode nine. Next week, we're at the finale. Can you believe it? Uh, I feel like we've really kind of uh, flown through this season. Next week, we're talking about season four, episode ten, War, and in this episode, amid a growing challenge to her power. Thatcher fights for her position and Charles grows more determined to separate from Diana as their marriage unravels. So I hope that, I mean, it's a, it's a big ask, but we have so many fun characters that we've kind of gotten sprinkled out through uh, here throughout season four. I really hope they find a way to bring them all together here in this. Wait, finale. Like who?
2: Like, well, not like that. Like Diana.
0: <laughs> not like they all bring them together, but I hope that like, we get more than just an A plot, you know. Oh, like I do yeah. hope that we are able to wrap up a lot of the, a lot of these kind of like stories that we have uh, open ended right now.
1: You, you you hope for like a uh, a, a shot of Fagin in a psych ward reacting <laughs> to the news of what's going on with Thatcher.
0: You know what? I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I hope we get some Margaret, which I feel like she really only had that one episode. I hope we get more queen mother because this iteration of queen mother still perplexes me. And I, you know, I still want more like, this is like next episode is going to be the last time we get these actors as well for all intents and purposes in these roles too. So, so it would be a perfect
1: time to pivot focus to Mark Thatcher and his business in
0: South Africa. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Ivan, if people want to catch up with you about the crown, or anything related to what we've seen here today where can they do that
1: at ivan vukovic on twitter at ivan vukovic on instagram nice you
0: got your own name
1: i got my own wait oh yeah i got my own name much to the chagrin of another far more famous uh ivan (laughs) vukovic that i met earlier this summer
0: wow that's winning that's winning right there grabbing that seo optimization all right Carla, what about you
2: um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All
0: right. And I'm on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us if you have any questions about anything related to the podcast is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. And that's really all we've got for you. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. And God save the Queen. God save the God Save the, the Queen. queen.